What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Renegade Marquee on the Renegade Pop Culture Podcast Network. My name is Mike. Joining, joining me, as always, is my co-captain, Jacob. Hello, y'all. And we may or may not have a guest appearance by Brock once we get to, well, one of the movies that we're covering. On this episode, because August has been a pretty busy month, at least on my end, um, we didn't really have time to talk about any of the, uh, the big releases that came out this month. So here, Jacob is going to finish his thoughts on Suicide Squad. Um, and then the Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad. And okay. then we will talk about Free Guy and um, the 2021 iteration of Candyman. But before we do that, we unfortunately have to take a moment to mourn the loss of Michael K. Williams, who just passed away, passed away at the age of 54. Yeah, it's, it's awful. It, it truly is. Yeah. And our hearts go out to his family and loved ones. Um, there's no easy transition out of this. So um, before, we, before we get into uh, the Suicide Squad, I just want to give a quick um, marquee extra shout out to a movie that I saw. Uh, honestly, I was, I was a little bit late to the party on this one. I finally got to see On Demand um, Nicolas Cage's latest movie, Pig. Um, this was a directorial debut for um, Michael Sarnowski. And I don't really want to spoil too much if you haven't already seen it, but basically, basically Nicolas Cage plays um, a former Portland, Portland-based chef turned recluse, um, li- like living in a forest or in a cabin deep in the Oregon forest. Um, and one, one day he loses his, uh, his truffle pig and, um, and he has to go and uh, pair up with Alec, Alex Wolf as Amir as they go through town and the various, uh, you know, the various old um, restaurants he used to, um, he used to engage with and, I know, I know the description of this movie sounds a little off kilter, but it's honestly one of the best movies of the year and one of Nicolas Cage's oh. finest performances. <laughs> oh my, you have piqued my interest. Um, so yeah, if you haven't seen Pig yet, you should definitely check that out very soon. It's weird. I actually recommend, uh, recommended uh, Gunta. I believe it was the... Uh, a couple of um, episodes ago. It was another neon release uh, involving a pig. So weird how that works. Yeah, what a, what a strange niche that uh, that this uh, company has uh, carved out. Hey, they got to stand out from A24 somehow. That's true. Um, so... Yeah, well, the last the last time we did a big uh, a big podcast, um, a uh, a storm hit Jacob's uh, neck of the woods, and he didn't get to finish his thoughts on Suicide Squad. So I'll ask I'll ask you this: um, Have you had another chance to to watch the movie? Um, I have. And how how have your thoughts changed since um, your initial reaction? If if he, if they changed at all, uh, not a whole lot, honestly. Um, I stand by what I was able to say uh, when I was in the Capes episode. You know, it's it's a fun movie. It's unapologetically um, kooky. It's just it's just bizarre. Like it says a lot. Of, it has a lot of its mind about redemption, about trust about 
fitting in. You know, it's it, it's their ideas that are not uncommon with um, this kind of um, superhero genre, especially uh, James Gunn's Guardians movies. Um, but it knows how to convey those ideas in ways that are entirely its own. Uh, it's the violence is actually warranted. It's you know, like it. It's basically everything the original Suicide movie should have been. You know, it, it was actually as edgy as it as it thought it was. You know, it's and also kind of helps that all the scenes play out in an understandable way that makes sense, and I could actually see what's going on because it's not super dark all the time. Um, excellent performances throughout. Uh, Margot Robbie, John Cena. Idris Elba, Sylvester Stallone, Viola Davis. It's a stat cast and they all do wonders. It's 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 one way that DC has a promising future is that they're able to tack on projects that Disney and Marvel probably have no chance of actually um doing. So yeah. Nice. I I've just been so busy this month that I um in in a in a normal year, I probably would have seen this movie in theaters like three or three or four times because that first that first viewing um, was still incredibly satisfying. Um, yeah. I just haven't had a chance to to see it more than once, and I believe I believe if if it hasn't already, um, it's about to leave HBO Max soon. Um, and speaking of HBO Max, um, it, it did just yesterday. Actually, it did just yesterday because it's that it ended the thirty-one day uh, window. Ah, there we go. Um, but speaking of HBO Max, um, I have to ask: um, Did the Suicide Squad um, make you more or less excited for the upcoming Peacemaker series? More, I guess. I, I liked John Cena's performance. Um, I, you know, it's it's an interesting character. Um, yeah, I'm 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 down for it. And all the other um, uh, DC projects that are slated for HBO Max, like Batgirl, and a bit of uh, Black Canary, she's getting one. Yep. Mm-hmm. So so far on HBO Max. Um... We've got Peacemaker, which is coming in January. Um, and then later we've got um, the Green Lantern Corps series. Uh, we have Strange Adventures, which, which is kind of an anthology um, series that also focuses on um, a character named Adam Strange. And then on the movie side of things, there's, um, there's Batgirl, there's Black Canary, and there's Blue Beetle which I know um, Josh. Yeah, Josh has lots of thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have too much to add about Suicide Squad since I've pretty much said my piece already. Any, any, any other um, and any, any other final thoughts as we as we vamp for um a few minutes and you can edit this part out. Oh, um, no, um, it's a movie that's genuinely unexpected. You know, I was, I was never, I, I, every time I thought I was ahead of this movie, I turned out to be completely wrong. Uh, it's just one of those movies that deserves its place, like among the edgier, um, side of superhero movies. Um, it's, it's I, I like I love the imagery in the movie. It, it it manages to create some really memorable sequences. Um, it's James Gunn. It's absolute peak, and I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it already. Awesome, yeah this 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 is one you're definitely not going to want to miss. So uh, now we are going to. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Free Guy, um, mm. a movie that um, that I know I know 
uh, Brock really loved. Um, he may he may or may not be showing up later in this podcast, but Jacob, I want to hear your thoughts, um, your um, general impressions of Free Guy. Well, it's been a while since I have seen it. I saw it um, opening weekend. It was like a Thursday night screen, so I don't remember that much from it. I do remember that I was expecting just, you know, really stupid comedy. Like, basically, it was Pixels meets They Live meets The Truman Show. Yeah. uh, But, you know, I... I had an awesome time with it. It was a genuinely fun, you know, piece of two hour escapism. You know, it's, it's got clever humor. It's got, it's even got some ideas about how art can um, be influenced by real life and vice versa. It's, it's a fun, clever movie that knows to take its time, you know, before it just throws everything at you in the climax. Um, Ryan Reynolds is awesome as always. Um, it, it's just good blockbuster entertainment that I genuinely enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, um, there. Yeah, couldn't couldn't have said it better myself. Um, over over on Rock's channel, Organoid Zero, he he and I spent well over an hour gushing about this movie because it it, it really was a a huge surprise. I mean, I I like Sean Levy as a director. Um, I can tell you, Del, this is by the guy who did Night of the Museum, too. It just has that vibe. Yeah. Um, Sean, Sean Levy, at his, at his best, is really one of those... Um, he's, he's, one, he's one of those filmmakers that really kind of captures like that, like that very feel-good energy. Um, yeah, and, it's a high concept. Like, and and if and if you only know him from from his work on Stranger Things, then, well, even even that's even that is pretty high concept. So so yeah, between between that, his work on the Night of Museum films, and um, and even the two screenwriters that he brought on, uh, Matt Lieberman and Zach Penn, they. All, all of them plus the plus the Ryan Reynolds of it all. It, it just it just makes a very a very satisfying package. Um, you know, you you go you go into this movie kind of expecting like, you know, just another just another kind of run of the mill um, update on the Truman Show, but it's actually it's actually a lot, a lot smarter than the marketing kind of lets on, you know, I thought, I thought all the performances were great. Not just, not just Reynolds, but uh, Jodie Comer and uh, Joe Keery as um, surprisingly one of the better um, romances in these, in these type of stories that yeah. I was, I was not expecting to get this invested in. Yeah, especially when it's uh, when it starts out with the badass chick with the himbo, and that and that was kind of like the Lego Movie. Yeah, a little bit. There's even a joke in this movie involving um, ordering coffee. <laughs> yep. Taika Waititi, he was fun in it too. Two movies. Another. This is another movie with Taika Waititi because he was in the Suicide Squad too. That's right. And what's what's kind of what's kind of cool about um both of these movies kind of um being released back to back is that you really get to see you really get to see like how much range um Waititi has as an actor. Like he's not he's not just the funny guy in Suicide Squad. I think he only gets maybe one or two lines of dialogue, but um but he but he take he takes the role seriously and and you really you really feel feel for his character and in this movie he gets to have fun playing a complete douchebag um, yeah. and just like the ultimate stereotypical um you know you know that like 
that one that one troll you see in all the message boards, but he just happens to be working for, you know, a major AAA uh, game developer. He just came out across to me as like a hipster douchebag. He really does. Um, you know, he's he's like kind of the worst example of those, you know, those people from Silicon Valley who are like, you know, who who think who think they're above it all. Um, it should be no. Um, what's interesting about this movie is that they got um actual YouTube Let's Players, um, like Jack Skeptiguy and Pokimane and Laserbeam. Oh, yeah. Um, it adds the authenticity of it. Apparently, um, Jack Skeptiguy and um, Ryan Reynolds, they actually, like, can they collaborate on something? Yeah, and I, I that's... That that's one that's one reason why, Re- like Reynolds is considered one of like, um, one of the smartest, um, like one of the smartest entrepreneurs in Hollywood, because he he doesn't just he isn't just an actor, um, like he's also a producer. He has his own marketing company, um, like he like he he's. Uh, done ads for Mint Mobile, um, his own, uh, his, like his own vodka, and what's what's cool is he'll he'll sneak all of that into um, the movies that he's in. Um, so he's he's also the king of the king of like really discreet product placement too. <laughs> yeah, he, he knows how obnoxious that stuff can be. Oh yeah, even 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 like some of the other celebrity cameos in here are fun, like, um, like you've got uh, Tina Fey as the voice of Keith's uh, vacuuming mom. I don't know if you remember um, Keith. I remember that was the kid with like, yeah, like a Jack Skellington figurine on his desk in the background. He had a poster for a poster for the Avengers too. Yep. So, Which, by the way, how obvious is it that a lot of this was shot after Disney bought out Fox? I, I don't I don't know if it was after Disney bought Fox, but um, or at least when it was like they were well into the process. Yeah, like like I think I think some of the some of the shots might have been like might have been just additional additional pickups um you know like the scene with the lightsaber and um and cap shield um yeah. oh but some some of the other uh celebrity cameos you got Hugh Jackman playing the uh what like one of the masked avatars in an alley mm-hmm. Dwayne Johnson is a bank robber and uh John Krasinski is um the silhouetted gamer in I think I think one of the one of the um like one of the newsreels you get you like there's like an interview with the guy um and it's it's very obviously John Krasinski but his voice is his voice is a little distorted um and he's completely blacked out it's I I I love I love this about um like um about movies where um like you get you get all these all these cameos like all these big names for these little bit these little bit parts yeah so it it just makes you more pressure on you to actually recognize them like when you hear just like it makes you feel smart but like when you hear us a, a line delivered in a certain way you're like wait a minute <laughs> Oh yeah. Uh, uh, there is one cameo that we also need to mention. Uh, Alex Trebek. Oh yeah. Um, the late Alex Trebek makes um, yeah. makes an appearance, and and because of all the delays of this movie, uh, that unfortunately made this a posthumous um, appearance and a, pos- a posthumous role. Yeah. 
man, it's it, it's still just kind of very surreal to think that Trebek is no longer with us. Yeah. Um. Any anything else from the movie that that stands out to you? Anything else about the movie? Yeah, I felt generally sad when uh, Taika Waititi had Ryan Reynolds like deleted. Like, yeah. Like, oh no! Like oh, I generally like like that's how good. Um, like despite uh, the character guy not being written in a way that's that different from you know Ryan Reynolds' roles recently. Um, but the fact that I was that attached to him that's impressive. Um, I I I think. I think this might be the smart, like the smartest. Um, this is like the smartest way to use Ryan Reynolds. Um, you know his his usual brand of 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 comedy. Um, I think it was Movie Bob who who described this as like, um, like the. I I, I forget the exact phrase they used, but he's like. Um, um, it's it's like that like um, man I'm, I'm I'm struggling to to um, I'm struggling to describe how like how he described uh, Reynolds's performance but it, it's like it it's like that very P, like PG um, version of Deadpool but it's more like oh I got it it's the um, like the like the uh char- like the charismatic wise guy um but yeah i yeah. think i I, th- I think he he make he makes he he makes the most out of out out of this character oh absolutely there's no doubt about that um uh, and then i guess my my other favorite some of my other favorite characters were um lil, lil ray howry as his best friend buddy <laughs> buddy yeah and then I'm always I'm always happy to see uh, to see this guy come up, uh, Utkarsh uh, M uh, Ed Butkar as as Mouser. That was um, Joe Keery's character. Keys his uh, you know his his friend at work. Yeah, all all of these characters are um, you know these, these, like these are all these are all wonderfully. Um, like one wonderfully well well developed characters, yeah. Even even though one of them can be a massive douche, but even then, like the performance is still just bursting with energy. Yeah, I'm I'm struggling to think of what like what else to say about this that I haven't already in, um, in our other review. Just, uh. Honestly, just just go see this one. Um, there there are there are still a couple a couple twists and turns that we haven't that we haven't revealed yet, inc- including Reynolds playing another character who, <laughs> who who just had me laughing the second that, he appeared on screen. That is just pink Reynolds if I ever wanted that. Dead. Um, but yeah. Honestly, honestly, this is just this. This was one of the biggest surprises that I didn't think would end up this like this high on my list. It's not. It's not my number one like it is for for Brock, um, but it definitely hit. It definitely hit a sweet spot for me, um, for for just it's it's you know, it's rich, um, high concept. Um, the you know the like the themes about uh, rejecting cynicism, whether it's like you know rejecting the idea that you are stuck in one place for the rest of your life, or just the cynicism of selling out to a major corporation, um, and and just follow, following through on on like your on your dream project. All, all of that stuff just really, just really resonated with me. And how art can bring people together. Exactly. So yeah, this one was definitely a winner, and you should see it as soon as you get the chance, Provi- provided you feel comfortable returning to a theater. 
so with that said, we're finally moving on to um, one, of, one of the movies that I was really excited to see, um, Candyman, a supernatural slasher film and a direct sequel to the 1992 film of the same name, which I literally just watched for the first time before I hit record. Based on the short story, The Forbidden by Clive Barker. Um, so for this Lega sequel, directed by Nia DaCosta and co-written by DaCosta, Jordan Peele, who's also a producer, and... Uh, Win Rosenfeld. Um, this movie follows Anthony McCoy um, and his partner, who move into a loft in the new, in the now gentrified Cabrini. After a chance encounter with an old timer, exposes Anthony to the true story behind Candyman. He unknowingly opens a door to a complex past that unravels his own sanity and unleashes a terrifying wave of violence. Um, so Jacob, I wanted to ask you, um, have you seen the original before before you watched um, the sequel? I have. Okay, good. So we're all on the same page. Right. I, I made sure to watch it the week before I saw it in the theater. Good, good. Um, and I guess, I guess I'll just ask you your thoughts on... Uh, on Candyman 2021? Hmm. Oh, well, Candyman 2021, it's a sequel that expands upon the ideas of the original in ways I was not expecting. It was surprisingly um, critical of the first one, I thought. Um, yeah, it, it it brings new corners in, brings us to new corners of this mythos of Candyman. It explores um how art can be used as a tool um to inspire people when it's not used for cynical reasoning it it's a movie that gives you a lot to think about it's a sequel that it it wasn't like most horror sequels where it's just like oh no Candyman is back you know you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah like Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th, you know, it it treats the source material with reverence because, you know that, because um, there were two sequels to the original Candyman that apparently were total dog shit. And, and that, that was kind of what it was, um, what, what this movie managed to avoid. So, yeah, it's a horror movie with, you know, it's a, it's a clever, it's a smart horror movie with great scares. Nia DaCosta, she deserves at least most of, like, 75% of the credit, I think. We um, need to put emphasis on that. This is not a, this is not Jordan Peele's candy man. Yeah, I think, I think that um, that should be pretty, pretty much how every discussion of this movie opens. Like, I've 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 been I've been bothered by by this kind of marketing ever since um, ever since the Nightmare Before Christmas, where yes, we all know that that was um, you know we all we all know that was Tim Burton's um, story, like, but you know he didn't direct it though that was Henry Selleck. Yeah, and um, you know, in the case of this in the case of this movie. Um, it's, you know, it, it's build, it's a building off, um, like previous source material and B, this was like truly a collaboration, um, between Nia DaCosta at the helm, um, and, and, um, you know, and, and working pretty closely with Jordan Peele and his collaborator, um, win rosenfeld on the screenplay so obviously obviously she deserves the lion's share of the credit but um but this but for for better for better for worse this was a like a true 
you know, like th- this, this was a, te- a team effort in almost every, in almost every sense. Um, I, I also kind of want to ask before we dive deeper into the meat of this movie, did you see um, DaCosta's directorial debut, um, Little Woods? I did not. Okay, yeah, me neither. Me neither. That's that's one I'm I'm probably gonna check out once um once we get closer to the Marvels, which I'm very excited that like DaCosta is going from this, you know, a kind of mid budget um like like lega sequel to a classic a cult classic horror film to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's that's quite the accomplishment. Um, but yeah, getting 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 right into the like into the thick of things. Um, one one thing I absolutely love about this movie is like sort sort of the like just the general reverence of of like storytelling and how and how one particular urban urban legend gets passed down from like from generation to generation like yeah by the way we are going to be spoiling we are going to be spoiling things but we'll try to keep things light um the our our lead of this film uh yaya abdul mateen the second first of all is great i'm mm-hmm. like he, he he turns in such a terrific performance i've I've always, I've always liked him in like, like in you know his supporting roles in the past, but this for for his first leading performance, this was like this this was very very well done. But in 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 this movie, he like kind of becomes the fifth like the fifth version of this uh, you know this ur- this urban legend referred to as the candy man and i think i think the like um but like the the journey how he like how he gets there is is honestly a very a very fascinating one and i got i gotta give a shout out to um to a friend of the show um richard newby um from the hollywood reporter he he wrote an excellent um like an excellent piece called "Unpacking Candyman and Its Darkest Revelation," and we will we will include this in our show notes so you can so you can read along with us. Yeah, he we wanted him to be on board to discuss this movie, but he couldn't because of family. Um, yeah, because his family was in town apparently, and we we want to um, voice to put his perspective onto the spotlight because it is quite a read and. I don't think that this discussion should be dominated by just two white guys. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, we do plan to have him later on the show, though, because his um, philosophy of how to critique movies is absolutely, you know, on par with ours. You know, it's it's in the, he has the same mission as we do, which is to bring some positivity to to the discourse. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think I think I think one one line I think that really stuck out is um, towards the beginning he says, "People are stories. We are made up of the things we say about ourselves, but even more so, we are made up of what others say about us, and those stories get used and sometimes abused in order for the personal to become the communal, for the story to be torn into pieces and disset- disseminated among everyone who hears it." until it no longer resembles you at all. Um, not a single one of us is above being sacrificed for the sake of a good story. We see it every day to varying degrees from social media to news media. We see people captured by the snapshot of an image, a meme, a headline, and we think we know the story and therefore unwrap the person. Um, that's, that, that, that's a pretty... Uh, pretty powerful paragraph right there mm, yeah um and then he goes on to say yeah that's alarming but when when considered through the lens of blackness it becomes horrifying 
Um, and obviously mm-hmm. we can't speak on that part, but right. Um, but to like to to see to see that like kind of um, depicted in in this film is. Uh, but what did, what did what did you think about that? How, um, like how how, um, a, like a lot of their history is has been like, kind of warped and twi- and twisted to sort of fit a particular narrative. Well, to bring up one example that Richard himself brought up in his piece uh, was that what Nancy Pelosi said about George Floyd. That mm-hmm. you you been you were sacrificed, you know, and you sat you were you you sacrificed yourself in the name of pro- social justice or whatever. Which come on, lady, like and so I, yeah, I definitely see where he's coming from. Like, and I think the the Candyman sequel it is um, aware that the first one was kind of made through a white lens, even though the the original Candyman is very much a critique of the white savior narrative. Would you, oh, would yeah. you agree with that? Um, yeah. Honestly, and, I think I think one of the reasons I prefer um, the sequel to the original, and um, in all in all fairness, um, both of these movies are still are still kind of fresh. I would I would need to give them a few a few more. Uh, a few more watch throughs to really solidify my opinion. But um, I, th- I think, I think the Costa's take on, on this character and, you know, like the mythology surrounding him, I find, I find just a little bit more compelling. Um, yeah. Because even, even, even though both film, even though both films are still, um, you know, are, still very politically charged because all horror is is political actually all media is political but but i digress um there's there's kind of there's a there's a simplicity um in some in some regard um with the original because because it was um like because it was filmed through through a white lens um like the like the the titular villain comes off more more of like the other and very um Mm. um what's the word like like he's he's definitely more more of like um uh like an like an out like an outsider like a for like a foreign a foreign threat like an alien essentially yeah um and i can i can i can understand if like if that's if that's sort of the tone that they were going for yeah um which which is which is why i think the approach that uh that da costa and peel took on on this movie um it like it's um I think it's a much. I think it's a much smarter. It's it's a much smarter take, um, and it it definitely feels more personal coming, um, coming from a black lens. Yeah. Um, did you notice um, that the douchey curator for the art gallery, in which uh, Anthony's uh, piece was was. Uh, was shown in. Uh, did you notice that his name is Clive? Oh, that's a that's a nice uh, that that's a nice Easter egg. I the thing is like I think it's kind of acknowledging that he won't never truly understand. Like he's he and his girlfriend, they're the ones who summon the Candy Man. Right? Yep. So, um, and they're, they're the ones who kind of um. He, he kind of um, poo-poos um, his artwork, essentially, Anthony's. And doesn't he? Yeah, he's... He very much, like, kind of talk, talks down to him. Yeah. And, you know, um, he, like, he doesn't really show him respect. Like, he, he's, he's basically... 
he's basically like like lording over to him and Brianna that you know we like we let you join join the show so you have to be thankful mm. yeah um what should we also discuss um the art critic the white art critic who kind of chastises um Anthony as well yeah and the li- the line that uh that he throws at her um you you love our work but not us mm, yeah that 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 one that cut that cuts deep that 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 kind of got some uh get out vibes um how much are you willing to bet that she would declare that she would vote for obama for a third turn if she could <laughs> i that's 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 a pretty easy bet what specifically did she say? I, I forgot. It's been a week since I saw the movie. Um, I I I forget. Oh, I I think she was just kind of. Um, I I I forget specifically what she said, but she she was definitely kind of. She she was like kind of like acting dis like dismissive towards, um, like to- towards like the nature of, like the like the nature of um you know the um like the piece that he that he's uh, that he has on display but did you think that this movie like anthony like he starts off kind of capitalizing on um you know the horde of candy man um the mythology like he tries to internalize that uh, in some way but like do you think do you think that was what this movie was trying to critique was like art um that about this sort of thing that tackles uh, ideas like gentrification like that but like doing it mostly just for money just so you could profit off of it i mean that 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 seems to be at least at least one of the themes that and it, without, without actually intending to inspire anybody because his girlfriend um she creates art to uh, deal with the, dra- the trauma of losing her father to suicide. And, but then that art um, curator, the other one, uh, later in the film, she tells her because her work has nothing to do with Candyman, then it's pretty, mi- pretty much worthless and they, they have no place for her art there. So, I, like, a, a, lot, a lot of what I have to say about art is. Um... It, it it basically boils down to um, art 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 doesn't exist in a vacuum. Um, like pe- like pe- people people bring bring so much to pe- people you will bring as like as as much or as or as little um, to a piece to like dependent depending on their background or. Yeah, that's why I can't fully get behind the idea of separating art from the artist. It's it, it it's it's one of those philosophies that o- that only works in theory, but um, like but do doing so doing so kind of limits your um your interpretation of of the work in question. But that, but then it also kind of depends on, um, on the nature of the work. Like, you know, um, there there is such thing as if if we're if let's say for example we're talking about directors, you know, yeah. um, you know, there are such thing as hired guns who are who are just like. Um, approaching a pot like a project for a paycheck, right? But and I think should we? I should we talk about the twist now about Anthony, um, who his mom is, for instance? Yeah. So and so, I th- this is this is why when I when I revealed that I haven't seen the original, I, pe- people were like, "Yeah, you should probably watch that before going to the sequel because." Like, if if you if you notice what Anthony's last name is, um, his his mother was his his mother was the one who um, 
Like she's Amory McCoy, played by Vanessa Williams. Yep. And she she was the one who kind of who uh, who lo- who lost her baby in that um, in that one scene. Yeah, but that her performance in that scene was chilling, man. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean that she acted like someone who really thought her baby was dead, and that her and that the baby's killer was in the same room as her. Oh, I, 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 I felt awful watching that scene. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it turns out that she was uh, trying to protect him from um, you know, what his experience is, so he would never um, come across Candyman again. But, of course, he does. You know, he's the one who creates that exhibit, uh, which is a mirror, but, in which those two, you know, dumb fucks decide to, hey, let's say the word Candyman five times in this mirror. And <laughs> the dumb, like, um, and so, yeah, and, and in a way, he was, like, kind of subconsciously bringing Candyman back. And, and later, it does... In a way, like we see Candyman come back to him, like when that part where he's stunned by a bee, and then the um, the stink, um, the stink, it just come spreads and spreads around his entire body. So that's a way of you know Candyman kind of being you know reincarnated in him. Oh yeah, but it makes this movie makes great use of um, imagery that was introduced in the first movie. I thought. Um, there's there's one there's one scene from the from the original that that really that still kind of st- sticks out to me. It's um it's the one where where um Helen goes into the bathroom, opens up all the stalls, and the one on the very left is the one that's cut, like filled to the brim with bees. Yeah, yeah, because like, that was the toilet where um came in um allegedly castrated that kid um and later she. Um, she's assaulted by a guy who goes by the name of Candyman. So it's that kind of little bait and switch where you think that that's the guy that everyone's talking about when actually, no, he was just taking inspiration from that persona, that character. Yeah, so in, in a way, you know, this is kind of movie that, you know, of um, fairy tales, you know, of legends taking on life of their own and sneaking their way into our lives. It's yeah, it's 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 something to chew on, really. It's it, it's 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 kind of like th- this is basically the horror equivalent of. Um, did did you ever did you ever play the game of uh, telephone when you were younger? Telephone. Uh, no, I don't believe I did. Okay, it's it, it it's basically like you're you're in a circle. One one person whis- whispers some whispers something to. You know, uh, I, I, I know what you're talking about. No, I yeah. didn't play that game. Um, but that, but that, that's, that's basically, that's basically how, um, you know, legends and folklore get passed down from, you know, from one generation to the other. So it's, it, it, it's, it's kind of cool to see that um, being explored here. Um but with obviously a much darker edge. Yeah. Um, now, was, it, was there anything about this movie that didn't work for you or you thought could have been improved? Hmm. Why do you ask something that you would have improved? I mean, um, honestly, the only, like, the only thing that I, that I said was um, I thought, I thought like, some of the attempts at 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 humor were um you know not not every joke landed um well not every joke lands in any comedy really that's true um like and i i did i did appreciate how um um like uh brianna's brother played by um nathan stewart jarrett um like I, I, I like I like that the one like the one gay couple in in this in this movie yeah like it's 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 never it's never really like um their their relationship is is just kind of normalized as 
as okay they're gay so what yeah um, there's no like it chapter two scenario in here right um and i i i do i do like um troy as a character i just think maybe i i, I just think like once in a while he hits like he's he's give he's given a line that just that just kind of fell flat for me but other, other than that other than that like um and maybe a little bit of going a little bit too heavy with with exposition um for the most part i i thought the writing in this film was was uh really strong but and I mean, when you talk about the animated segments in this movie yeah i was i was gonna bring that up next um that like those segments even kind of remind me of the babadook a little bit um yeah, I, I like and the kind, the kind of uh the like pop like the pop-up book sort of aesthetic or you just like it doesn't even try to look like it's, these characters are actually real or you know you can see the hands you know it's basically shadow puppets yep yeah that was a lot of fun and by the way that was an interesting um like when they were telling recapping the story of um Helen's story, who by the way is voiced again by Virginia Madsen and the audio that um Anthony listens to. That that actually is her voice. Oh yeah, I thought I I thought that sounded that sounded familiar. So, I was gonna say, okay, so the character, like it turns out um the way um the guy who works at the laundromat, um uh, what, what's his name? Um, William, uh, William Burke. Like he, he tells um, Anthony a different version of the story where when there's that bonfire and Helen saves um, Anthony from the fire, um, they make it so like it was the people who were, who caused the fire, who saved the baby and not her. In a way that is kind of her um, comeuppance in the long run is that she's not even credited for saving him. Yeah, that's see, that's 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 another example of twist yeah. twisting twisting a narrative. Like, All because she wanted to denounce Candyman. All she wanted to uh, debunk him for her thesis. Um, yeah, now, see, this movie gives you so much to chew on. Yeah, now I've 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 seen some pretty ridiculous backlash for this movie. Um, Calling like. Calling this one woke. Uh, uh, can, can, do we have to give these people any attention? Uh, we we sh- we shouldn't have to. Um, I I just don't. I just I'm just so tired of this freaking cottage industry on the internet. Yeah, no, we're not. We're not. We're not going to give any. Um, we're not going to give any specific names. This is just another reminder that. All art is political, yeah. um, and that you shouldn't subscribe to any uh, to Especially. any bad faith arguments. So we we have we haven't talked about the en- the uh, the ending yet. Um, what how how did you how did you feel about um, uh, the way this the way this film leaves off? Uh. It, it was again. It it added, it was consistent. I thought with what they were trying to convey was that actual action is important. You know, that's what art should fundamentally do is inspire, and she does in a way. Like when, uh, when she, Brianna, when she's taken to the the cop car, she's suspected of killing Anthony after. Um, Burke kind of set him up to be the Candyman. Like he actually cuts off Anthony's hand off and replaces it with the hook. So and gonna make him make him so like he would assault the po- make it look like he was assaulting the police. And so like it's the way apparently it's so that Candyman can be seen as a person of vengeance rather than just a victim. And so you know she's taken to the like Anthony he's shot and she's taken by the police um and then and then and then when she hears that um the police are going to make it look like that anthony was the one who actually provoked the attack 
you know, and then she decides, no, I ain't having that. So she um, looks into the rear view mirror of his car. No. And then he, no, it was, yeah. And then she says, um, Candyman, 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 Candyman. And that's what produces the attack. Anthony becomes the Candyman. Yep. So, um, yeah. So I thought that was, yeah, it was cool. I liked, it was satisfying. Yeah, I, I I actually really like that ending, and um, I I I wanted to I wanted to point out uh, the last paragraph in in uh, in, in Richard's write up. He says the result of telling everyone um, the result of telling everyone is that Candyman no no longer exists as an urban legend, um, but as a new religion. Candyman isn't a martyr, but a deity deciding who is innocent and who is not who is contributing to and benefiting from the disparity created by systemic racism and who is not. He's Old Testament style black God. And depending on the viewer, there is nothing more powerful and nothing more terrifying than that idea. We're all stories, but in the end, Candyman decides which ones are sweet enough to save. Hmm. has said a better lifestyle. Um, now, with that said, um, since we're recording this well after its opening weekend, um, first, first of all, how do you feel about um, Nia DaCosta being, you know, the first black black female director um, to, you know, to have a film open at number one? That's awesome for her. It really is. It, she deserves that success. You know. Yeah, when she's able to breathe such fresh new life into a horror franchise, you know, good on her. You know, I hope that she has a very prosperous career after this. I I do too. Um, I'm looking forward to the Marvels. I really am. Same. Um, I I was a little bit I was a little taken aback hearing that though because it's like really she's she's the first like. Um, yeah, it puts things into perspective. It it re- it really does. Um, and another question I have: um, Do you think do you think we'll be getting we'll be getting more movies set in this universe? Uh, like I know I know the the sequels that came like in between the original and this were a from what I've heard not very good, and b sort of kind of standalone sequels. Do you, I, I don't do you, see why it wouldn't. I mean, this movie's um, destroying that old continuity. Uh, you know, it gives a uh, new fertile ground for any other takes of Candyman. Um, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that given, you know, reboot culture that we currently live in, uh, this is one that, you know, yeah. I, if... I can see it getting uh, more sequels and spinoffs, and I'm down for that. You know what? Honestly, I I'm kind of down for it myself. Um, if if for no other reason than um, a, it gives uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen the second um, a franchise to call his own. Yeah. Um, and B. Um, it's it's just an it's it kind of continues the you know it continues the sort of theme of theme of legacy with with uh exactly yeah um uh, as long as long as they start um every uh succeeding movie with um a Sammy Davis Sammy Davis Jr.'s cover of Candyman. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't do that in the first one. It's so obvious. I know, right? I, I was, I was kind of waiting for it, um, like watching watching the original, but, um, but I guess, I get, I guess it's it's um, its association with the franchise is a little bit more recent. I, 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 I can't, I can't say that with any authority. I just know that that like the song, the song is very catchy. And um, I don't know. It kind it kind of it kind of fits well with uh, 
with with this character in a, in a very ironic sense. Um, so any so any final thoughts um, on Candyman, whether it's the original or the the 2021 film? Candyman is a sequel that breathes fresh new life into the franchise. It finds new ways of continuing the ideas of Candyman in ways that are interesting in its own way. It stands out some great and some good um, generally scary moments, like one involving white girls in a bathroom. Uh, some, yeah, some, some great, you know, scary imagery, but doesn't overdo it. You know, it's, it's a good one. It really is. Yeah. And for any, for anyone who hasn't seen the original, um, I would, I would say both, both of these make, uh, make for great companion pieces. Um, the first, the first one, the first one, um, the, the first, the first movie, um, is it's, it's, it's good, but it's definitely a product of its time. Like both, both because of, because of its, of its white lens and just the fact that, um, you know, the, the story, the story is a little bit, um, it's a little bit more, um, in my opinion, at least more bare bones in term in terms of um, the narrative focus. Because I yeah, think because the, the first the first one, the first one is more of like a uh, like a like a detect like um, almost like a detective mystery. There is thriller. subtext, though, definitely right. There's still oh yeah no there's there there's there's certainly subtext, um, but the the 2021 film is it's it's um it's almost like a video essay um that critiques that critiques the original while while continuing the legacy it's not quite starship troopers not not a lot of things are yeah <laughs> i still can't believe that movie <laughs> That is one of the cruelest adaptations I've ever heard of. Honestly, I think that I, I think that that approach really works for yeah, um, yeah. It, I, it, it it works for material that you know yeah go on go on Mike like, um, I, it 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 like the Starship Trooper um, approach um it it works for material that you know. That you can you can find that you can find like that one that one angle to really like to really deconstruct how yeah. it all works. Yeah. Um, and as 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 far as as far as like the like the future career of of Nia DaCosta, I think I think she has a bright future ahead of her. Like I'm absolutely I'm I'm super excited for the Marvels. And after that, I kind of hope she continues um, just putting putting a fresh spin on on like a variety of different stories. Like she's even gone on record saying like she doesn't she doesn't necessarily want to be tied to like to one particular genre. Like she doesn't like she doesn't want to be um, like she doesn't want to be kind of typecast as you know just focusing on black trauma like right. she wants to tell a superhero story so that's she's consistent doing that with this movie's theme that's consistent with this movie's theme exactly the sky the sky's the limit for her she can do mm-hmm. she can do whatever she wants next right all right um but i think that'll do it for for this episode um Mm-hmm. these these three movies um couldn't couldn't be any more different um and i wish i wish we had a little bit more time uh to discuss them earlier in the month but hey life happens um but for now jacob where can everyone find you online on facebook and twitter on jo crable k-r-e-h-b-i-e-l i'm also part of the renegade pop culture facebook group and i have my own letterbox account streaming demon 
And you guys can find me on Twitter at CaptainK42. You can check out my quick thoughts on letterbox.com slash CoachK42. And you can find me in all the various Facebook groups just at my name. You can follow Renegade Pop Culture on Facebook and Twitter at Ren Pop Culture. Look for us on Podchaser. Listen to all of our podcasts on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen. And last but not least, everything can be found at renegadepopculture.com. Need an escape? So do we. That'll do it for this installment of the Renegade Marquee. Thank you guys for joining, and we will catch you guys later. Peace out. See ya.